Hey everyone, welcome to a new episode of the Iceberg Lounge. I am one of your hosts, Thomas Single, and with me is my co-host, Randy Dobbins. Hello. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the re-debut of the USFL with our good friend and host, or co-host, of the In Our Thoughts podcast, Joseph Watts. And so, yeah, let's get into it. How are you, Joseph? I'm good. Thanks for having me on here. How are you guys doing? We're doing good. We're doing good. Um, What about you, Randy? I'm 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 here. I'm good. All right, all right. So tell us, you were at the first ever game of the USFL when it redebuted, the Birmingham Stallions versus the New York Generals. New Jersey, New Jersey Generals. New Jersey. I always say it's New York. Close, close enough. Close enough. Yeah. What well, is New Jersey? But New York's ugly little brother. <laughs> All right, so uh, how was it, like, your experience before the game heading to it? So when I bought my tickets originally and I found out that it was going to be raining that day, I expected maybe 10,000 people max. I don't know if you've ever been to the stadium that they're playing at. but I, I haven't been to the new Progressive Stadium yet. Okay, well, it holds 47,000 people. Which that's is decent. that's a pretty decent sized stadium. I don't know if you guys have seen the numbers, but apparently there were forty thousand tickets sold. Wow, almost a sellout. So there now there were only like set. So reportedly there were only seventeen thousand five hundred people in attendance. That's still good. But I find that number hard to believe. And if you go on Twitter and look at people who went to the game, they will all agree that that is a hard-to-believe number because that stadium was 85 90% full. Nice. So you take in consideration, you know, it was it was rainy. It was Easter weekend, so a lot of people were out of town. It was A-Day weekend. It was A-Day. There were 40,000 people at A-Day. And then you add in the – I don't know if you guys know who the Savannah Bananas are. Yeah, they're the uh, baseball team that travels. Right. So they were at Rickwood Field just down the road in Birmingham, and they had a sellout of 10,000 people. So with everything else going on, for them to do that number, I think is huge. And then they also had 3.5 million viewers on TV. And that in itself is real good. Apparently Fox, you know, they're the people who are behind all of the production of the USFL. And they have a really good TV deal with Fox, but Fox's number Fox only wanted three million viewers. So in Fox's eyes, so far this league has been a success. The only thing I worry about though is because all the teams are playing here. I don't think you're gonna get that same attendance for every game. Every game, unless maybe, the Stallions are playing. Maybe for the Stallions. Right. But for the other teams that are constantly going to be playing here, not really. Which uh, yesterday I watched some of the games and there didn't seem to be that many people in the stands. Granted it was Easter and it was raining. So, you know, next Sunday will be a good showing. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a good 
way to judge whether or not there are going to be people who will come and watch the other teams play. I saw a thing on Twitter where, like, these two guys were at the game and they were wearing horse masks. So, yeah, so that's a thing. Um, there were a bunch of people wearing horse masks. Even the Stallions, like, tweeted a picture of it. So, when I got there, you know, I, I'd been, I've been to UAB games at that stadium before, so I kind of knew, like, how the parking situation was and how you were – where you were going to have to park at. So, I got there a little bit early expecting – to have to find a place to park and then walk to the stadium, go through the stadium. And it's general admission. So, you know, wherever you find a seat, that's where you sit. So you get there. That's, that's nice. The earlier you get there, the better seats you get. So how's the parking situation? <sighs> it's downtown Birmingham, so it's it's never Terrible. good. Um, but it's really not that bad. They've got they got a lot over by Top Golf, which is right next door to the stadium. Well, the reason I ask, I'm going to a concert there in June, and I didn't know how the parking was. Yeah, so all of, so all of the parking is relatively close. There's two lots, one by Top Golf, and there's one at the uh, I think it's the Weston Hotel in Uptown, which is right in front of the stadium. Those are probably the two closest lots, and then they've got two lots over by the BJCC where you would go park if you were going to attend something at the BJCC. Yeah. Those lots are relatively close too. And then they have two or three other lots that are like a block or two away that you have to do some walking for. It just depends on how, what event you're going to and how packed it is. I got you. How, how much were the tickets? They were $10 and Oh, wow. Kids under 15 get in free. And I think that's where they messed up with that number and they had only 17,000. I don't yeah, think they, they're not counting the kids. Right. I don't think they counted the kids. So I don't I mean, know. What they did was only count people who liked a ticket number. Yeah. My best guess there was at least 25 to 30,000 people. That's real nice. Definitely for a non-college football game in Alabama. Yeah, especially like with all the because when we first got there, it was raining just a tad bit, it was just kind of sprinkling. But by the time kickoff, the sun had come out and the rain had all cleared up. So it was it was really nice weather after getting wet. But the atmosphere there was it was electric. Like Yeah, I was about to say from what I saw, it was pretty hyped up. People were people were into it. Like you had it was weird because like you had this this crowd of people who were around when the original Stallions team was there back in the eighties. And they had all of that Stallions merch. And you could tell that they were like super excited for the nostalgia of it. And then you had a bunch of other people who were new to the USFL in general, and they were just there to have a good time. Yeah, exactly. Cause that's the closest you're going to get to a pro team. I mean, it is a pro team, but like to an NFL style team out there. Something I like that they do is they have a rule to where. You can either go for the 
the PAT, you know, the extra point, the two-point conversion, or you could go for three. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. But the ball is at the 10 for the three. Huh. And something interesting about the ball, I've seen this on TikTok, when it's like, like, first and goal and stuff like that, when it's, I can't remember if it's like, First to goal and you know stuff like that, or if it's uh, in you're, when they're in the red zone, I think it's closer to the goal. The ball will glow. That's legit. So fans can better see the ball. Yeah. So there's a chip in the ball, and they use it for first downs. Also, so um, when they spot the ball. They will press a button on the little down to go marker that they have on the sidelines. Yeah. And it will register how far that ball is from that first down marker. Yo, so they don't even have to guess. They know. Right. So if you watch it on TV and they have to, you know, if they're trying to check and see how close someone is to a first down, they can actually, the it'll pull up a yellow line. And then the ball will show up a line, and they can tell and judge, you know, if it's a first down or not. And then what you're talking about, Randy, is it's when the ball cross when the ball crosses the goal line. Oh, okay. The ball will okay. blow to indicate a touchdown. Oh, so you don't even have to guess on that either. Right. That's cool. That's an interesting concept. Now the only downfall. To well, to me, so you know, you guys have been to Alabama games before. The biggest thing that you can't do at an SEC stadium is you can't drink beer. Yeah, yeah, that's that's. I will say most. There are, I think, a couple that you can't. But like at Alabama, definitely, yeah. Well, you can at Protective Stadium. Hmm. And I mean. They ain't got no limits. You could walk up there and buy a six-pack of beer if you wanted to. Oh, wow. And so, you know, of course, when some people get intoxicated, things get a little bit more exciting. I wouldn't say heated. It it made a better atmosphere, I think. Because when I tell you, like, everybody was into this game. So, I don't know. Did you guys watch the game on TV? I I wasn't able to um, that day. I was at work, so I watched. I I watched some of the first half. But here's the interesting thing: um, the games can be seen on uh, Peacock, the Peacock app. Right. So all the games are on Peacock, and you, I think they actually have the replays up. So you they can go do. Watch the I searched it up the other day. So the very first, uh, well, before the game play, so they had. Uh, when the teams came out onto the field, they had like smoke machines and fireworks and stuff when they're when the teams were coming onto the field. That was pretty cool. Kind of like how the pro games do it. Yeah. And then they had a uh when they were singing the national anthem, they had uh the Air Force from Montgomery. Um, they had like four or five jets that flew over the stadium. That was pretty cool too. Oh wow. So it it it, it was like legit yeah they went all out for it 
But the very first play of the game, the general started out with the ball and they took a shot. It was they completed it was a forty-seven or forty-eight yard pass down the field and ended up oh, wow. scoring rather quickly. But then Birmingham got the ball, and on their first possession in two plays, they scored a touchdown. So, you know, right out the gate it, it fireworks were just going off. But the second quarter it turned from an offensive game to a defensive game. Okay. So, you know, to some people, the second quarter was kind of dull. But towards the end of the third quarter, the action started picking up, and it just didn't stop after that. And when I – Yeah, I heard it was a a big comeback for uh, the Stallions. Oh, for sure. The the crowd – so this is how – this is how – loud the crowd was there was a time where um the generals it might have been tied it was either tied or the generals were trying to add another touchdown to their lead um they were down on the goal line and they couldn't hear they had to take a timeout because they could not hear what the quarterback was trying to call. Oh, wow. Because that stadium was so loud. That's that's that, very unexpected. Yeah. Like, that is – I feel like that's a good sign. Yeah, I feel like Birmingham is just tired of having chances at pro teams and then – them being taken away. So it's, I think they might have just was like, all right, we're going all in on this. Well, if you look at it statistically, Birmingham, when it comes to these, the spring football leagues or um, whatever experiment that Birmingham happens to be a part of, Birmingham generally does good numbers. Like when they AA, the AAF was here, Birmingham averaged 17,000. Uh, attendance, which was one of the higher attendances for um, the AAF. Oh, and yeah. Then, Birmingham Iron. Right. And then there was an NBA exhibition. Um, might have been Pelicans, Hornets. I'm not sure. It probably was because Birmingham is now the host of their uh, G League team. Right. They sold out the BJCC, and Birmingham traditionally is one of the bigger uh, TV markets on live sporting events. They uh, usually rank in the top five for like the Super Bowl, the College Football National Championship, the World Series. So Birmingham loves to have pro teams, but I think sometimes they get overshadowed because of. Atlanta, Memphis, right, Atlanta, Orlando. Memphis, yeah. Say, not only those pro teams, but Alabama and Auburn. I feel oh, like, yeah, oh, that too. We're, I feel we, like, we are college state. I feel like Alabama, Auburn overshadows them in all, not only football, but all sports because we're just a college sports state. Yeah, we are. We are, we are mostly a college state. And so, um, how do you see about the players? Players were the players like decent? Well, yeah. I mean, 
most of them were ex-NFL players, people who just need to work on a couple of things to to you know f- be able to fit into the NFL. But one thing I was impressed with was you could tell that they wanted to be there and they wanted to play. Yeah, which that's good because that's what you're missing in the NFL to me is mostly passion. Right, and these people, these players, they had they had a ton of passion. You know, if I'm not mistaken, the quarterback for the for the generals was the quarterback for the iron. Really? Yeah. So the generals have Luis Perez, who was yeah. the quarterback for the iron. They also have DeAndre Johnson. I'm not sure if that name sounds familiar for you, but he was of he, he was the Florida State quarterback after Jameis Winston, their big quarterback after Jameis. And he got in trouble at a bar for punching a woman. Uh, he ended up getting kicked off the team and ended up at East Mississippi. And he was the quarterback on season two of Last Chance U. Okay. That, I was about to say, I knew that name sounded familiar. And he's the quarterback for who now? For the Generals. Okay. okay. Him and Luis Perez uh, split time. Okay. That makes sense. And then the quarterback for the the starting quarterback for the Stallions was Alex Madu. He had an okay game to start. He missed some wide open targets. Um, Brush <laughs> I th- I think. Well, I think a lot of it was just jitter jitters. You know, haven't played football in forever, and then you only had three weeks to prepare yeah. for this game, so. He ended up getting hurt um, midway through the second quarter, and we ran with our second string quarterback. And that dude, that dude can ball. Oh, really? As I thought, he needs to be the starting quarterback. He early on he missed a couple of wide open receivers, but when it came clutch time at the end of the third and throughout the fourth quarter, I mean he went on three straight touchdown scoring drives. Okay, there you go. That's, that's good. I think I might like him. And then the last, uh, the touchdown that they scored to go up, he uh, it was at, it was a rushing touchdown by him. Okay. So, as the it was it was basically tied up at one point, twenty four all, wasn't it? It was twenty four twenty one. Oh, okay. The Generals were, were leading 24-21 uh, with a little less than two minutes left. And uh, Birmingham, so after they have a two-minute warning in the USFL, and then within two minutes, if you get a first down the top, the clock stops, just like college rules. I like that. Okay. So Birmingham was able to drive down, score – with about 30 seconds left. Oh, man. And they went up 28-24. And then the Generals couldn't, when they got the ball back, they couldn't score. Yeah, okay. So, the Stallions won. Became 1-0. Undefeated since 1985. Undefeated since 1985. Um, do And then we we had three more games the next day. Um, I don't know if you can confirm this or not, but I heard that you just had to pay for one ticket and you got to see all three games. 
Right. So if you pay one tit, you pay the ten dollars, you can see however many games they got going on that day. That's insane. Now I will say, I, I, me personally, I don't know if I could sit there all day and watch game after game. Yeah, especially on teams that like I don't have really any emotional tie to. Yeah, I could see that as well. But I mean, I don't know. So the last game last night got rained out. They canceled it, and they're actually playing tonight. Okay, I'll uh, probably I'll probably take a look at it on Peacock then. It's got the Tampa Bay team, who is the the lead favorite to to win this year. Uh-uh, with those stallions. Let's go. Get it, baby. They have uh, Jordan Tiamu as their quarterback. Okay. He is uh, the old – was it Texas? No, it was Ole Miss. Ole Miss. Right, yeah. He was an excellent – He's, he's kind of young, isn't he? Mm-hmm. So, I think, I think he's like 24 maybe, 25. I can see why they're they're saying that they're the favorite because it's like they got the young quarterback. I think also Todd Haley is their head coach, and Todd Haley was assistant coordinator or he was an offensive coordinator for the Cleveland Browns. Ooh, I can't remember which one it is, but if I remember, one of the head coaches for one of these teams, like was in the SEC for a while as, like, assistant and head coach. and I um, remember. I'm not sure. I know they got – I know Michigan has Jeff Fisher. Oh, um, Houston, they have uh, Kevin Sumlin, who was the coach at Texas A&M when Johnny Manziel was there. Ah. Uh, I would have – Do you think Johnny's going to get a job? Probably not because they want this to be, like, a lead that helps you get to the NFL. And Johnny's uh, like mental. right, and Johnny's like 32, 33. See, I don't think that's who I'm thinking of because I would have recognized Kevin someone's name. Okay, um, I'm thinking of someone different. You know, like I, I'll, I'll, I'll find it on TikTok because it was a TikTok I saw. But Michigan yeah, has, I like, I like it as well as as how the divisions are done because mostly it's east and west, but. Uh, this one's doing north south, so I know Michigan's head coach is Jeff Fisher, who was coach of the Rams before uh what's his name got there? The guy who's there now. Gotcha. Um I don't know why I can't think of his name. But New Orleans has uh Larry Fedora who coached at North Carolina for six or seven years. I So they got, they got some pretty high-profile coaches. Um, yeah, they have, uh, let's see, the Stallions has uh, Skip Holtz. Yep. Oh, the the Houston Pepper Bay Bandit, before coming to here, he was the coach for a high school team. Or he was the offensive coordinator out of high school in Florida. Yeah. The Houston Gamblers uh, is Kevin Sumlin. 
the New Orleans Breakers is the is Larry Fedora, like we just talked about. Tampa Bay Bandits is Todd Haley. Let's see, Michigan Panthers is Jeff Fisher. The New Jersey Generals is Mike Riley. Uh, the Philadelphia Stars is Bart Andrus. And the Pittsburgh Maulers is uh, Kirby Wilson. Yeah, so that's uh, that's the head coaches for all of them. Um, do you think this will last more than one season? We've had the AAF come in, and they left due to money issues. You had the XFL that tried to come back at, with tried to come back again and be a spring league. Um, COVID shut them down. Let's just be honest. And then now you have the USFL trying to make a comeback as a spring league. Uh, do you think it will last more than a season? I, I do. And here's why. They have the huge TV deal with Fox. Yeah. You know, Fox Fox isn't going to fold unless they have to on anything. Sure. And then you have the fact that it's a central hub. So one thing that you're not having to pay for is travel for all these teams because they're already here. Yeah, they're all in Birmingham. Exactly. So you're getting, you're getting your money there. You're saving your money there. And I think with all of the innovative rule changes that they have and the camera angles, I don't know if you guys seen, but so normal football games have one stat cam. Mm-hmm. The USFL has two. Oh. They have helmet cams. They have um, a drone that flies on the field. That's legit. So that's uh, that's a pretty awesome camera angle to look at. It's the drone cam. A lot of people hate it. A lot of people like it. It's just one of those that you're either going to hate it or you're going to like it. Me personally, I really enjoy it. Um, And then they have players mic'd up on each team that you can hear throughout the broadcast. They have the coach mic'd up that you can hear throughout the broadcast. So they're, they're making it for the fans. And I really, I feel like for now, anyway, it'll last. Now it'll be interesting to see when the, the XFL reboots, yeah, that's 2023, and I think they have a deal with the NFL, which is backing them to make them like the official developmental league. Right, so they're, they got a deal with the NFL to to do like experimental stuff in their league that the NFL is thinking about doing. And I don't... I don't know why you would want to run head to head with each other, but if they run head to head to each with each other, I could see how you know one of those wouldn't make it. And sadly, I think the one that wouldn't make it would be the USFL, simply because XFL now has backing by the NFL. Right. Which what 
confuses me. So the USFL, their playoffs and their championship game is played at the Hall of Fame field in Canton, Ohio. Okay. And then there were there were a lot of memorabilia from that first XFL game or USFL game the other night that they packaged up and sent to uh, Canton, Ohio, to the Hall of Fame. And it's going to be in um, – it's on little winged of the of the Hall of Fame there. That's interesting. So if you're doing things like that with the NFL Hall of Fame, to me that has me to lead to believe that somewhere down the line you're going to have a partnership with them. See, what I can see them doing is kind of at some point down the road working with both and talking to each, be like, look, we can make y'all, whoever y'all's champion is like at, at the end of the season and whoever the others is at the end of the season, y'all play like each other. So a- basically you're seeing a possible like merger of the XFL and the USFL in the future? Maybe. Like not I not like with I say within five years. Okay. Five years of merger. I could see that to see when the AAF was a thing, I said Vince should have bought the AAF. And he had eight teams, the AAF had eight teams make a AAF division, an XFL division, and just like the NFL does. And then they face each other at the end of the spring. But obviously that didn't happen. So maybe this could be a thing. Definitely if the XFL might do an East-West type of thing. USFL already has the North-South. You have four divisions right there. So I I can see that happening. What I would like for them to do, maybe down the line to merge like that, but for next year, if we could have one that runs like early spring to late spring, and then the other one run run from late spring to like early to midsummer. I think, and see, that's a good idea because if they could structure it the right, right way, it could really work out because you could have the USFL early spring to mid spring and have, wait, did I say USFL? Yeah. All right. And then you have the XFL run along with the preseason, or you have the XFL run right before the preseason. And then you have preseason. Then you have the regular season, and then the Super Bowl in February, and then it's not about a month or two before it starts back up again. Yeah, you would almost have football all year long that way. Which I think is a smart thing to do, especially during the summer, because really the only sports you have during the summer is baseball. Yeah, and, but it's and not no like offense to people who like baseball, but like it's too slow for me. I can't get into it. It's not something that, like, when the summertime is around, it's not something that you really watch on TV. It's something you take the family out to the ballpark and watch. Yeah, like, I would go watch it live rather than watch it on TV. And and a lot of it's not like they're not coming down to the wire to who's going to make the playoffs and who's not going to make that playoffs at that point in time in the season. 
So I'm not going to say that the games don't matter, but they're pretty much just games that are being played that day. Yeah, just uh, just to play them. So to have football kind of filled that void in sports, I mean, the viewership is going to be there. Oh, yeah, definitely for people who love football, who that is their only sport. What I think it's going to come down to is how the players do. If the players play well and some of them get called to NFL training camps in the fall, number one, it's going to make the league look good. Number two, it's going to make players who are not in the NFL want to play in the USFL. Exactly. So they can have a chance of making the NFL again. And then number three, it's going to make the NFL have to recognize the USFL as a potential developmental league. And based on what I've seen Saturday, I mean, there's probably, there were probably three or four guys on that field Saturday who could get a phone call to join an NFL camp this fall. Yeah. At any point. That's good. So, um, yeah, I, I think the USFL, I think, is is going to do good if they can manage their money right, which it seems like they are with everything happening in Birmingham. Um, and not that, only- probably, that probably doesn't cost a lot of money because Birmingham's wanting them there. I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but... There was so they also have a show going on. It's called United in Football, and it's like hard. It's the NFL equivalent of Hard Knocks. Gotcha. And I watched the first episode of it because it aired before the Stallions game, but I watched it last night. And you can tell that you know the coaches at least are really disciplined in the fact that they're not going to take any crap from the players. They want the players to be professional. They want them to be on time to everything. Like, for example, there was this player who didn't want to eat chicken salad. He wanted to eat pizza, and somebody told him he couldn't have the pizza, and uh, allegedly he got disrespectful. So the coach had a meeting and kicked the player off the team, told him he had to leave. Oh, wow. I mean, like I said, if you can keep the players straight, keep all the money uh, straight and not just leaking out of the company, I, I can see this going going for a while. Counting this year, I give it two years, and they'll be playing in the respect of where they're supposed to be playing at. Yeah, I think that was the big issue is – the they they couldn't find stadiums for everyone except for Birmingham. Um, and so like like Randy said, maybe next year they'll use this time to try to get those connections so that way, you know, you can have your home team because yeah. I feel like that's gonna like that's that's gonna be a big, um issue with this season is the only home team is the Stallions. Like, everyone else don't have a fan base unless they're watching from TV or travel to Birmingham. 
And as of right now, it's in the best interest of the city to have them here. Because you think about it, there's eight teams. Each team has 45 players. That's what, 360 players? Then you take in consideration the coaching staffs, the production, the technical crews, the field crews. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money because they're in this bubble for, for 10 weeks. Guess what? Guess where they're going to have to spend their money because they ain't going home. Birmingham and the surrounding Jefferson County areas. And then on top of that, you have national exposure from Fox every weekend. Yeah, for, for the city of Birmingham, yeah. And then, you know, as long as you continue to have people show up for at least the Stallions to play, you know, not saying you're going to sell 40,000 tickets every game. Exactly. But, I feel like your biggest attendance this first season is going to be for Stallion games. But let's say you average 20,000 tickets at $10 a ticket. That's $200,000. Every weekend. Yeah, that's that's Gener- a big incentive. It's generating a lot of revenue for Birmingham and for Alabama. Right. So and considering Birmingham just lost its, you know, biggest city in Alabama status to Huntsville, that might bring more people back to the city. And then on top of that, you have the world games coming in this summer. Yeah, that's a lot of money coming into Birmingham this year. So, I think have the G League too, which yeah, the the Birmingham Squadron, yeah, which is generating a lot for Birmingham. And then we also have a soccer team, the Legion. Yeah, also so, play at Protective Stadium. So Birmingham is doing pretty good for itself, team and the Bulls, but. And the Bulls. Oh yeah, well they they play in they they play in Jefferson County. I wouldn't say Birmingham, but they play in Jefferson County. Uh, oh, I thought I, they. Were... I think they play in Bessemer. Oh. Wait, no, or is that the the University of Alabama hockey team? I think that's Alabama. Yeah, I think that's Alabama. My bad. Um, but yeah, for the Spotify question of the episode. If you watch the USFL this weekend, what are your thoughts? And do you think they're going to last more than one season? Want more content from me and Randy? Go check us out on Twitch at Iceberg Gaming TTV and it's K-Town Gaming where we stream multiple games live. We are also on YouTube at Thomas RJ Engel and K Town Gaming. We play through games and have other content for you to enjoy. If you want to follow us on social media, all of the others, will, all of them will be in the details of this episode. Support us at patreon.com forward slash TRJI where you can get our content first before anyone if you are unable to invest in us monetarily then you can you can by following leaving reviews chatting with us liking commenting and sharing thank you for the support thank you for listening to the iceberg lounge don't forget to give us a follow 
leave us a review, and share this episode. Know God loves you, and we love you, and always remember, all to God, see you in the next episode.